Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the infestation films of the VHS era. Tonight, we're talking about the 1987 killer cockroach flick, The Nest. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1987's The Nest um, for free if you really want to. Um, I mean, at all, if you really want to find this at all. You, you can find versions on YouTube that are pretty scuffed, or you can find it on archive.org. Is it worth the trouble? Probably not. I have a I have a Japanese VHS tape that's cool. It has a reversible cover where on each side it has different artwork. Um which I I don't think you ever really saw that on American tapes back then, but you did on Japanese tapes once in a while. Uh anyway, I can't read you the back, but it's cool. It's got the two faced queen monster on the back. Spoiler. Yeah, it, it it they put it out there. The Japanese tapes, they always have the best scenes from the movie on them, even if the best scenes feature nudity and gore. They just put it on there. I love it. Their covers are so much better than ours. But anyhow, all right, so I don't need to nerd out on VHS tapes anymore. Um, That's like a quarter of the show. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Okay. I guess I guess I'll take over for a little bit. So normally you're the guy that has a bunch of stories about the box, and I don't have a story here, but I will say that although this is my first time watching The Nest, I clearly remember this artwork when I was growing up walking through video store aisles. It it's strangely like I don't know if this is good marketing or not. It's both sexy and unsexy at the same time. And it's a scene that does not happen in the film at all. No, in fact, the actress, uh, uh, Lisa Langlois, was um, upset over this. She she felt like it exploited her that not only is she never dressed like this in the movie and she never is in such a sexually compromising position with a giant cockroach, um, <laughs> but... It, it's not necessary either. Like there's other things you could have done to sell this movie that were more authentic to the movie. This movie is pretty scummy though. It seems like this is, this is a very filthy production and I'm not <laughs> saying that just because, you know, wherever this was filmed was probably infested with roaches for a very long time. IMDb actually has a note that the studio had a roach problem for years after filming this movie. As unsurprising because they just let these dudes run around all willy nilly. Apparently, they pulled them all off the street. That's what IMDb says. No way. Yeah, it says they got all the cockroaches off the streets, which I totally don't believe. But that's what it says. There's no way that that would. Okay, I mean that would be extremely unsanitary, but somehow on brand for the film. It just feels like there's some workplace safety issues going on if you take like sewer roaches and just start throwing them amongst a bunch of people and cast members no i'm sure that would be problematic but it's almost surprising to hear like an urban legend like that i guess that that doesn't have some grain of truth to it like because it's not the most logical explanation right if you if you told me hey luke they got all of these roaches from um, an animal trainer or a pet store, I would find that way more believable than the idea that you found them on the street. There are mass, there are vendors who mass sell roaches. I mean, usually it's for feeders, for people who own reptiles and other pets that eat roaches, but you can also order large amounts of bugs for your film production. Like, for example, there was that movie Squirm about killer worms that uh, bought all of their worms from bait shops across like the Southeast United States. And in the process, actually um, they like destabilized the bait market in the Southeast for years. Like it took a long time for them to recover. I don't think, I don't think roaches are going to have that problem though, because as everyone knows, they're prolific breeders and just looking at the roaches in this film, it's not just one breed. They 
use all sorts of different types. And I'm pretty sure you can't just find all of these roaches out in the wild in the U.S. I mean, maybe you can somewhere, but generally speaking, if they found roaches, it's probably just like the really traditional looking ones, right? Like the the actual American cockroach. Did Do you think that the film employed its roaches well? Or do you think it like do you think it had too much, not enough, too fake, too real? Like where did it fall? Well, I suppose the thing at the end was fake as fuck, right? Yeah, although on my VHS tape it's so dark that it actually looks pretty cool because you can't see any of the detail. But as I was watching it, I was like, you know, if I was watching this on a Blu-ray, this would look shitty as fuck. Yeah, so I watched this. Uh, I mean, if, if you would like to watch this at home because you hate yourself, you can also uh, find a very clean, crisp version of The Nest on archive.org if you just do some creative searching. The- and, uh, then you too, like me, can be disappointed at the monster finale. The VHS is really dark, like so dark that I told Leland he shouldn't watch the VHS. Maybe it's just my copy, although usually my Japanese tapes have a good picture. Um, Not every time, but usually. So this one's, I wonder if they're all dark, but it, it might benefit the movie because the most of the special effects look cool because you can't see like how shoddy they are. And when there are roaches on screen, all you see is like writhing black, shiny flitters. Like you don't see the bugs in detail and it, it makes it harder to tell how many there are and how, how much they cover. And that gives it a little bit of a creepiness. I think most of the, the practical effects are just bugs on in the shot that's it just have bugs in a shot and uh that doesn't really change until about two-thirds oh my god actually probably farther than that almost till the end of the film it's just kind of disappointing that you know you see this box art of a giant roach eating somebody and you just never get a giant roach eating somebody nor raping them and i i think that's insinuated by the cover as well it's just that that's just insinuated I don't think that's actually what's supposed to be going on, but I really thought this was going to be one of those films where it was about, I don't know, some kind of roach alien influence trying to make it with white women. Like I thought that was going to be the premise. And here we have a film that's actually more like what slugs should have been, right? Like this is how slugs should have turned out. Well, a movie about just people getting eaten by slugs with nothing else noteworthy, and then the credits roll. Like like slugs, this one is based on a novel by Eli Cantor. Oh, so no. what? I said, oh no! Like there's there's a book. I'd miss that in the credits. Yeah, can you imagine reading this as a novel? Would you make it to the end? I don't think so. Oh, I'm looking in the credits right now. Eli Cantor. What else have you done, Eli? He wrote three episodes of the Armstrong Circle Theater TV series. Well, this plot, just looking over a brief summary, is completely different than this entire film. Uh, That doesn't surprise me. But either way, it looks like it's all about roaches eating people and then for the film i guess they decided to take a more climactic approach to kind of get away from roach swarms man i just wanted to see a a giant fucking roach just like we did in silent night deadly night for initiation that was what i really wanted in my heart and this, if that is what you're going into this film looking for, you're going to be very disappointed. Yeah, I mean, granted, Silent Night, Deadly Night Initiation was done by Screaming Mad George, and I don't know that it's fair to compare anyone to him, but uh, that movie had way more interesting bugs than this movie does. I'm not even looking for the same quality. I just wanted Giant Roach. That's all I wanted. Yeah. 
Well, it is interesting that they decided to go with what they went with. But let's let's wait to talk about that. All right. Let's get this trailer out of the way. All right. Sounds good. They've defied evolution for 300 million years. But now they're changing. wasn't much of a trailer but we did get a great uh, example of the music and more importantly the roach noise that you'll be hearing for throughout the entire film for like 75 percent of it i think it's a pretty good roach noise though it's okay and it's overused yeah Look, it, whether it's one roach or 500, it makes the same noise at the same decibel, at the same level. Yeah, I guess that's true. It it works better when it's like a mass of roaches and we hear the noise. The problem it's, is that you'll just have like six roaches on a table and they're still making that level of noise. I just assumed that there were more roaches lurking in the background. But as I said, my, my tape was dark. <laughs> So what'd you think of the music? Like standard 80s horror movie fare, I suppose. I don't even know if I'd call it specifically horror movie fare. It just sounded like somebody dialed it in. Like they, yeah. they went to their conductor job. They they hit some keys on the keyboard. They waved their little wand and they, they you know, got a paycheck. It, it was, it's fine, which is how I feel about this movie in general. What'd you think of our, uh, our lead characters. So our our main character is is Richard Tarbell. He's played by Frank or Frank Luz. What did you think of uh what do you think of Richard? Has this dude been in anything else? Yeah, but I mean that didn't go like straight to TV, like daytime TV or anything. Let's see. Looks like he's best known for being on Star Trek the Next Generation in makeup <laughs> i don't know he played someone named odan he was also in when harry met sally and walker texas ranger oh odan okay he was a one-off guy in an episode okay anyway yeah what do you think of this guy everyday white guy i don't know there's nothing okay look it's not this guy's fault probably you know the material he has to work with he's doing his best of the entire cast, there's really only two characters that stand out for me. Do you want to do you want to guess who those two might be? I'm going to assume one of them is Dr. Hubbard. Uh-huh, yes. And maybe the other one is the mayor? Nah. Who's more, the other one? One more one more guess. Oh, one more guess. The the pest control guy. Yeah, those two. Okay. I don't like the pest control guy. Oh, you don't have to like him, but compared to the other characters, he's more memorable. I guess that's true. So you weren't into Beth, the Lisa Langlois character? It's it's not her fault. It's just how the character's written. It's not interesting. 
Yeah, I think all the performances are fine. Although I think the woman who plays Dr. Hubbard, Terry Trees, is is a little too wooden for the part. Like, I think she should have been more deliciously evil. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I think all the actors are fine. And, you know, in retrospect, that actually probably makes them extremely good actors because they have to pretend the killer roaches are real right and make <laughs> us kind of believe that at home yeah they actually did an outstanding job it's just unfortunate their characters were better written yeah totally fair but no i do wish that uh the doctor was more maniacal i'm not saying she needed to do like an evil scientist laugh up into like the annals of the lighthouse but i would have appreciated something a little more on the nose you see they could have they could have gone the opposite opposite direction too. Like they could have made her a, a more realistic character, like just a sort of a bumbling bureaucratic type. But instead, she's right in the middle. She's like clearly uncaring about humanity and slightly evil, um, at least narcissistic. Uh, but there's no evilness to the performance. If you haven't seen this film. To give you an idea of what she's like, if you've ever seen uh, one of the alien films where you'll have you, you have like a scientist who's staring at like a interstellar three ton death machine with claws and a scorpion tail and too many sets of jaws. And they'll just be like, oh, my God, it's a beautiful miracle of nature. That's this woman, but with cockroaches. Yeah. She does get very excited about the cockroaches, even when they're biting her. Yeah, I think that's the defining scene right there. She has a an observation tank for these roaches. And much like a nuclear test chamber or something, there's like one of those gloves that you can just kind of reach in from the outside to manipulate what's in the container. So she's, you know, using one of those to pet the roaches or whatever. Well, you skipped that they used it to feed a cat to them oh yeah that too um but she while she's playing with the roaches and in awe of their magnificence they start to bite her through the glove because these roaches also have like steel mandibles apparently uh, it's really missing a scene though where we show uh, where we see a close up of a roach open its mouth and and extend its canines. <laughs> That's what this movie needed. <laughs> hey, if slugs could have it, then why can't this movie? But like she's just kind of sitting there with her hand in the glove with all these roaches biting her and she's like it's it's so impressive. What what chance do we stand in, in front of this majesty? And it's just literally just like a bunch of roaches eating through a glove. I mean, for those who don't know, like, you know, a, a roach bite normally doesn't do anything. It just feels like a pinch. No, but they draw blood in this movie. No, in this movie, they like eat flesh. Yeah. So I know you don't want to, but we should probably talk about like the main plot. We've got... Our boy Richard, who is the sheriff of this small town, and he is dating like the the I don't is does she own the diner or is she just a waitress? I think she's just a waitress. It's never really explained who owns the diner. Yeah, but she see she's there late at night alone, and I kind of got the same vibes as the. She is the archetypal woman at the diner who is dating the sheriff. We saw the same archetype in the blob. Right. It's like in 7,000 movies. This is a common trope. And the being. It, it has shown up in multiple movies we've covered. Um, but she is that character. And uh, this, uh, the mayor's daughter comes to visit. This was apparently the sheriff's girlfriend back a year ago or however long she moved away. Did you say a year ago? I'm pretty sure it was like decade at least. I thought it was um I thought it was five years. Right, that might be right, but it's definitely not like a year. This this has been a long time since she's been back to the island. Well, she's back and the sheriff immediately drops his girlfriend and starts pursuing her. 
which seemed like a really dick move to me, but the movie doesn't want us to question it. What's really messed up is that Beth tells him that she has been like very casually seeing somebody back on the mainland. And again, she, she hasn't been to this island in like five years and he gets really offended. Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay for him to date diner girl, but not okay for her to see someone else after being gone for five years. I mean, this is like very quintessential 80s cis dating, but you know, nowadays it's like, what the fuck? Well, all I know is that the character I was the most sympathetic towards, and of course the movie kills her off, is the woman who works at the diner who's getting shafted in all of this. And the movie just kind of wants us to forget that she's being hurt, or at least that's what it seems like. This script has a few setups. I was going to say a few good setups, but I'm just going to call them setups. has a few setups to perhaps increase some character dynamics, make them seem a little bit more complex, but then just immediately ditches them almost as soon as they're introduced, right? Like this diner thing could have been like a really interesting love triangle, but then she's just sort of shoved in the freezer and forgotten, right? Yeah, that's my point, is that the movie doesn't commit to anything. So... There was a scene, it's actually a pretty good scene, I think, where Beth comes into the diner and diner woman, I don't remember her name, basically says like, you know, when you're not here, the only man in town who's worth anything comes and spends time with me. And now that you're here, I don't see him. You know, I, I don't, I don't see him anymore. And, uh, and it it could have been a really interesting subplot, but not that I necessarily want a, a romantic triangle subplot, but if you're going to tease it, then at least have it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I'm also not suggesting that people should be in like romantic anguish for my entertainment, even if it's just for pretensies. But we need something else here besides shots of roaches eating people. Slugs was able to deliver on that, even if it wasn't something that could be taken seriously. This just has half-hearted efforts that go nowhere. Another example was when Beth first comes back to the island and she's like, wow, you're like the sheriff now. Like, what's where's your dad? And he's like, he died. And that's, that's how he became sheriff. I mean, that's not exactly how it's worded, but essentially that's the scene and then we did that goes nowhere you never hear anything else about his dad except for one other throwaway line in the movie yeah on the one hand i respect that the characters have lives beyond your movie like i think that's what makes characters seem like real people is when they have backstories and outside connections and not every single line is relevant to the plot. Like, I, I like that kind of realism, but there's nothing else in this movie to root for because I definitely don't like any of the main characters. Um, they're they all they're all assholes in one way or the other. So I don't have anyone to root for against the roaches. So anyway, the the entirety of this movie is about. Beth and the sheriff getting um, entangled within uh, the hidden, gosh, what do you want to call it? Like hidden government plot on the island where the mayor has actually been allowing a corporation to test breed a species of cockroach that's engineered to eat other cockroaches. But of course, this goes horribly wrong they somehow manage to escape into the environment and proceed to start eating people instead of other roaches. From there, the film just escalates with the roaches' presence becoming ever more apparent um, until the climax where their eventual nest is found and destroyed. And along typical sci-fi lines, of course, there is now a giant queen roach. They are hive insects suddenly. And um, that gives you 
and the audience at home something to root against as the big bad. Well, it also gives them a there. There's like this thing that's introduced at the very end that the roaches somehow morph into the things they consume. And it doesn't it didn't really make any sense to me, but there it gets it allows them to have a scene where a, a dead character seems to come back to life because it's now roach mimicry, I guess. I, I think the idea here is that the roaches eat something and then they reproduce and then the larvae grow up into a hybrid between roach and prey. So the queen, the queen looks like she's kind of like a hybrid of a few different people. Which makes no sense either, right? I mean, I guess what we're assuming here is that one roach ate a person, another roach ate a person. They banged roach bodies and popped out an egg that then looked like two people together. And then another pair of roaches did the same thing. And then those two entities fucked and made what we eventually see at the end of the film that's composed of like six fucking people in a weird roach body. Yeah, it it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's almost like they just came up with some plot to try to justify the special effects they wanted to do anyway. I suppose. Well, here's the thing. There's a scene about halfway through this film where evil scientist lady feeds a cat to some roaches, which by the way, it really looks like they harmed this cat in the making of the scene. It does. I felt really bad for the cat. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to do an SPCA check right now on the credits. I want to see if there's that message at the end. that says no animals were harmed. Could you have that kind of message if you harmed roaches? I mean, I'm not big on killing any animals just for, zero value right so philosophically i'm against them just crushing roaches or slugs or whatever for just like a camera shot even if it is on the grand scheme of things very insignificantly um even if it has like a very insignificant impact on like the overall life cycle of the planet i mean you also have to understand that these are probably roaches that were bred in like a fucking house somewhere like in somebody's basement or farm and so then I guess killing them on camera doesn't really make a huge inf- big difference because they were literally um, bug livestock to begin with. Like their lives are forfeit as product in the first place. Yeah. There, there's this was no- probably just a fucking cat, right? Now, now I can under, I could believe they just found a fucking cat. <laughs> oh get- yeah. Me too. It's the shot. But um, I don't want a cat to be hurt. No. And, uh, when I saw that scene, um, it actually really soured me for the rest of the film. I wouldn't say it did that. I, I didn't. It didn't linger for me, but I did wonder about it. This isn't the first film we've watched with actual animal cruelty, right? Like, especially in Italian cinema, you see animals get um, harmed or killed all the time. Like in, um, like in Cave of the Sharks, there's a scene where there's a fishing camp where they are literally fishing sharks. And in the background of a monologue, you see fishermen, actual fishermen, killing a shark and preparing it for for consumption. But at least they are are probably locals and are actually probably going to eat that shark, right? Um, This is a scene where you have a cat that's probably a stray, because I doubt an animal casting agency would have gave him a cat for this shit. And it looked like they electrocuted it. The worst to me ever in the one I I still don't like watching is the turtle death and cannibal holocaust. At least they ate it, man. Yeah, but that like that turtle was was old, like it had lived a a, a real life. Yeah. So I'm not happy about it either. But I feel like, you know, in the 60s, 70s, maybe you could say that animal rights ethics wasn't quite a mainstream idea at that point, right? Animals only as products. This is the late 80s. This this, this is a thing by now. And they disregarded it. Maybe the cat was not harmed, uh, but it looked uncomfortable. (laughs) It didn't look look safe. That's all I'll say. 
So, uh, I mean, watch the scene for yourself to determine, I guess. My initial impression is this cat got hurt because they did something to it to make it look like it was in pain. And I own a cat, and I've never seen a cat do that before. Yeah, I don't think you can coach a cat into that. No, I mean, you can teach them apparently jump through hoops and shit, but I don't think you can teach a cat to do that. I will say cats can be dramatic. Like, I, my cat has to have a bath every week. It's a sphinx cat, and it freaks out when it's bath time and, like, yells and screams and kicks its legs out, but, like, it doesn't actually extend its claws or bite you or anything. Like, it's not... It's not actually hurting. It's just throwing a fit because it doesn't want to take a bath. So I don't know. I just don't think you could coach a cat into doing that. So I guess this is the part where we say content warning. You're probably seeing a cat get tortured for a film about killer cockroaches. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about the, uh, the mayor. The mayor is named Elias Johnson. He's played by Robert Lansing, who I know I've seen in other things, but I can't place him. Was he familiar to you? No, but I imagine he's just typecasted into any role that needs like a authoritative tan guy with white hair. Yeah, that's what his filmography looks like. I mean, he's been in a ton of shit, but it's all either Westerns or law thrillers or yeah lots of westerns melodrama um he's been a few other horror movies he was in that that giant crab movie island claws i'm not gonna remember that yes i've seen it i'm not gonna remember that though (laughs) yeah no me neither um but anyway uh for whatever reason he agreed to this deal that they were going to unleash the genetically engineered cockroaches on the island to eat other cockroaches. Um, He thought that they were going to help him develop the island. It's basically an alligator two situation, right? So wait, they didn't escape from some sort of facility. They just knowingly dumped them on the island and said, Hey, we're, we're testing this. That was my understanding, was that the island itself was like a testing ground. This script sucks. There's no way anyone would let that happen. Especially because everything the other characters tell us about him is that like he actually cares about the town and wouldn't do anything to hurt anybody. Yeah. All right. But no, he'll subject them to genetically engineered cockroaches if it means development whatever that means i am not sure how release okay let's look at the best case scenario here right you have a tourist island infested with roaches that's not really implied at the beginning of the film but let's just assume that's the issue so then you drop a bunch of roaches that are going to eat other roaches what happens when the cannibal roaches eat all of the regular roaches? Will they start to eat each other? If that's the case, what's stopping them from eating each other right out the gate instead of eating all the normal roaches? What happens when the cannibal roaches breed with the regular roaches and create some sort of mule roach that then both reproduces rapidly and sustains itself as a own food source? This shit sucks. <laughs> yeah, there's... There's not really a logical way out of it. And Dr. Hubbard, who is behind it all, is clearly insane. I mean, maybe that is the answer. Maybe it's just that she's insane. If she's insane, then the company she works for is insane because she doesn't even hold a position of like high authority. She's literally just a like a lab henchman. I got the impression that she was like behind this whole scheme. You didn't get that impression? No, and I just I don't think they ever tell us whose bright idea it really was to try to monetize roaches that eat roaches. I think it was her idea. I think that's that was the impression I got that this was all her baby, her idea. She believed in it passionately, like she's gonna stick with it till the end. 
Do you think this movie was a big inspiration for Academy Award winning director Del Toro's uh, Mimic? <laughs> no. No, not even a little bit? No. No, I Guillermo del Toro, by all indications, like the shit he comes up with is just birthed in his unconscious. Who who knows? Maybe he did see this and was influenced by it. It's like, wow, this really sucks. We can make it so much better. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. He I know he loves horror movies and he loves monsters and insects, apparently. So I think he probably would have seen this. Guillermo del Toro, come on the podcast. We'll interview you. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, no. No fucking way. No. Can we talk about how there's a subplot for Beth's mother committing suicide and then her father, the mayor, covers it up and in the end, there's like zero resolution as to why that might have happened? (laughs) Why she committed suicide or why he covered it up? Both. Well, I guess he covered it up because she didn't want her to look bad because apparently it looks bad when you kill yourself yeah he said that uh the the daughter says that he saw suicide as an embarrassment did he like come out and see that that was a mistake that he shouldn't have tried to cover it up no did he like really did he just like stick to his guns i think he sticks to his guns i don't think he apologizes for anything i don't even think he apologizes for allowing the island to be a testing site He's like that fucking Google CEO who's like, I will take full responsibility for all of this and then just lays off like half of his workforce. <laughs> That's about the level of responsibility I got from this mayor. Yeah, no, he's he's just like the mayor in Alligator 2. He's he's an incompetent douche. But let's talk about when he becomes a, a, a cockroach or I guess yeah, a cockroach you know, becomes him. <laughs> Up until this scene, maybe one scene before it, the vast majority, if not all of the death scenes, are basically person gets killed by swarm of cockroaches that are off camera. That is the extent of murder in this movie. Yeah, we never see anything that defies... We haven't seen anything supernatural. I don't really want to say supernatural because they try to explain it with science, but it's supernatural to our fucking existence. (laughs) Science fiction? Sure. Yeah. So we're at the point of the film where the roaches are fucking full of bloodlust. They are in a feeding frenzy. They are eating people all over town. And... The mayor's mansion, house, wherever the fuck they live, is being swarmed. So there's roaches all over the house. They are trying to fight them off, not by just stepping on them or running around them or just, I don't know, fucking leaving. Instead, they try to fight them off with fire extinguishers because they don't like the cold. (laughs) They can't use pesticides because, of course, they're super roaches. They have evolved well beyond pesticides. And it gets to the point where they could just leave the house, but because the the script has a plan already set out, the father is going to sacrifice himself as a distraction so that the daughter can get away. So it, he is, is opened, that why he was doing it as a distraction? Yes. He opens a door to a bathroom in the house where there's a bunch of roaches coming out of the pipes. Much like slugs, roaches enter in through the bathrooms most of the time. And then he closes the door to the bathroom with him inside and presumably is eaten by roaches. And so what does she do with this opportunity? She goes and hides in the closet. In the closet. In the closet. You could have just fucking left the house closet. First off, I was like, okay, if she's going to hide in the closet, why couldn't he have just gone and hidden in the closet yeah, too? And they both could have done that. This, <laughs> but you know what the the real the real problem here is that we're trying to find logic in a film about killer cockroaches. Perhaps the problem isn't the film; it's with my mindset. 
slugs set us up so bad to get served with the nest immediately following. <laughs> yeah, slugs is the more fun version of this. So anyway, coincidentally, after the, the father is eaten, the roaches are summoned by the hive mind to return to a hive or a nest that has before this never really been mentioned. And so all the roaches disappear in the house because they're all going to this one, to the call of the queen or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> this gives us, between this, there is a setup where we find out, you know, the roaches eat things, they turn into whatever they consume, sort of, or at least their children do. We're treated to a very confusing scene of a cat cockroach leaping around a laboratory. <laughs> this is what we got instead of a giant roach. Would it have really been that much of a stretch to have been like, oh my God, the roaches are getting bigger because they're consuming so much protein. No, they just fucking roach cat. Do you think that this like evolution thing where they transform, do you think that came from the book or do you no. think they made that up for the movie so they could show special effects? I think it came up with it for the movie. Yeah. So anyway, once you see that there is a now a roach cat because they ate a cat earlier, despite the fact that they ate this cat like five fucking days ago and it just now hatched, this is obviously the setup for you're going to see the father again. And, which, and we which, do. And it makes no fucking sense because he comes out of the bathroom full wearing his fucking clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and so then Beth goes to embrace her father like oh daddy you survived and then she puts her hands around him in the back and there's like a seam a seam of skin <laughs> yeah and she gets the blood on her hand she's like no as he like rips off the skin and becomes like a man roach <laughs> <laughs> also wouldn't there be like many of these roach people yeah, I mean, that's what the queen was at the end, right? Like a bunch of people fused into a super roach. But if the, if the logic is that anyone who gets eaten... I'm not trying to defend this. I just want to put that out there. I All I'm saying is that all of the victims we've seen so far should presumably become roach mutant things yes. and should be wandering around even after the movie ends. I suppose the canon here would be... Perhaps the roaches did not immediately have this mutation, so the first couple people that are killed in the beginning just don't get to go through that metamorphosis. It's not really a metamorphosis. It's more like someone just stole your genes, stole your face, and decided to look like you with mandibles. Yeah. To be to to be fair though, this is probably the best special effects scene in the whole film because you have the father's head like in a shot and his like eye fucking pops out in the middle of the transformation to roachdom and his eye rolls onto the carpet and then when his fucking roach foot comes out of the human leg it like steps and squishes the eyeball yeah i'm telling you i think a lot of the special effects look really cool in this movie but i watched it on a dark vhs so okay well i can tell you i watched it on like crisp probably ripped from god i, I want to say a blu-ray but why would someone put this on blu-ray it's on blu-ray that's so insane to me anyway i guess that's what i watched and it, it, that scene actually holds up i mean obviously it looks like 80 special effects right but it still holds up really well no i think 80 special effects are awesome for to beth's credit this really feels like the kind of script where you know, Beth would be like, no, I can't kill it. It's my dad. But instead, she just takes a double barrel shotgun and blows its head off. Well, I feel like the no, it's my dad only goes so far. And when it's a, a cockroach mutation, that might be too far. Oh, yeah, I guess there is a bug bias here, right? What if he had turned into like a werewolf? They're like, no, it's my dad because he's still big and fluffy. Yeah, at least he's mammalian. Yeah, no, no love for bugs. No, it's just a step too far. Too, too inhuman. Here we have Beth's father in embracing 
the ideology of the insect shredding his individuality and coming out for the greater, you know, hive mind to, to help propel, not just, not him, but his entire species forward. And he's just fucking shot in the face by his daughter. That's the real tragedy, right? That was an age of insects. <laughs> Reference. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been more interesting. Oh, like if a roach came out as a person, like you saw a person birthed from a roach egg that had previously been eaten and they're like, no, Beth, you don't understand. It's different on the other side. They just want to survive. They want to make the world safe. <laughs> it eventually it's hurting the planet. Like they're not just eating roaches, they're eating polluters. Eventually, we're going to watch Extro, and what you were just describing reminded me of Extro. Haven't seen it yet. I'm sure it's going to come up soon. Yeah. it. There's there's many different topics it could fit into, so we'll find a spot. Any other important scenes we should talk about? You know, let's talk about this exterminator. Oh, yeah. I know you don't like this guy, but he's he's the Mr. Science Man of the film although he certainly does not have any sort of diplomas to frame on his wall he he is the the monologue guy that basically explains everything about bugs to people for those who don't know about bugs he's basically the british guy from slugs yeah mr science man yeah but this guy's actually more believable you think so no yeah for a lot by a long shot this guy's more of a human being well, and he's also, he's got a professional reason to know about roaches. Whereas yes. in slugs, there's no reason why that random scientist should have known about slugs. No, none whatsoever. But this exterminator seems to be pretty busy since the start of the film. And I'm not sure if that's because the killer roaches are showing up everywhere. Or if, again, like we mentioned earlier, maybe there was a huge pest control problem on the island from the get-go. Yeah, it could be either. But this guy, I mean, he's not the most likable character, but he's the probably one of the most believable. Um, when shit really starts to hit the fan and like the roaches are killing everybody, he was one of the first people to come across um, you know, one of the roach victims and then decide and then he decides to take it upon himself, the wearing the mantle of Bug Slayer. So he goes to his house and he like stocks up on insecticides, not knowing that they aren't going to work. And in the process of prepping these chemicals, he accidentally burns his house down when he throws a cigarette on the floor and his entire house explodes. I think his truck explodes too. It's, it's a fucking disaster. And when he later in the film meets up with the sheriff, he's like, it's terrible. They're killing people. They blew up my house. <laughs> <laughs> Full knowing that he blew his own, knowing that he blew his own house up, but you know that's how he's going to explain it to the insurance company once everything blows over. No, he he even uh, he even saves the day by fixing the lighthouse. What was the deal with fixing the lighthouse? What would have really been the problem if we're jumping ahead here? That's okay. The in the course of the movie, the sheriff convinces in I think it's called Intech. Yeah, that sounds right. Which is the company the the that's going to develop the land and is testing the cockroaches. He gets them to agree to to spray the roaches, but the spray is lethal to humans. So he he his his backup plan, the mayor's backup plan, is to evacuate the island and have them spray. But if they don't manage to evacuate the island, they're going to turn on the lighthouse so that they know not to spray. Okay, so why they have this, to get why those... is this film full of so many shitty decisions. <laughs> think think about it. You're spraying an insecticide. I think it's a fictional one that is lethal to people, right? Best case scenario, you abandon the island, you spray everything, roaches die. How long is this chemical going to remain in the environment? And presumably it's going to kill everything else in the environment too. Yeah. If it's lethal to people, it's going to be lethal to all of the wildlife. 
and it's going to get into the sea because it's a fucking island. I'm assuming it's coastal. Maybe it's freshwater, but then it's going to kill all the fish. It's going to make it's going to if anybody's a fisherman in the area, their business is fucking tanked unless they are totally okay with selling poisoned fish to people. No, it's bonkers. Oh, the exterminator has a character arc where in the beginning, um, he his sister is the diner waitress. She oh, is called... she? I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I made that you're... up. No, you're probably right. She calls him an exterminator and he's like, excuse me, I'm a pest control specialist. There's no possible way I can eradicate a species off the planet with extermination. And then at the end of the film, after he like helps get the queen exploded, he's like, I am now a pest control exterminator. <laughs> he has the best character arc of anyone in this film. And that's really saying something. Is the assumption that because the the queen was killed, all of the cockroaches die? Yeah, it's one of those films where presumably if you kill the queen, all the other ones just become forfeit, even though they all are clearly laying eggs. And it's just like this, the slugs had the same problem, right? right? Like these, these insects can breed anywhere, but because you blow up their one nest somehow, that like mostly fixes the problem. Yeah. Except, of course, the one roach you see at the credits. I mean, I know we talked about this in the slugs episode, but I do, and I am frustrated by that at the end of slugs. But at the same time, it's not as apocalyptic, right? It, it's not a species that's going to destroy the earth. Whereas in this, it clearly is. Because it's going to continue to eat things and mutate and get bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger. Oh, yeah. So eventually you get up to like roach elephants, roach whales, that sort of thing. Right. Yo, what did you think about the scene where the exterminator and the sheriff are in the, the fucking Jeep SUV? And it's near the end of the film. And uh, pest control exterminator decides to to tell us and the audience and the sheriff about the hive mind and how queens work in a colony because nobody fucking knows that. And during the conversation, the radio is on and the sheriff is just like in so much disbelief about what he's hearing. He takes his service revolver and just casually shoots the radio off while they're <laughs> sitting in the car. I thought there was another time where he casually shot his gun too. And both people, both them in the car are just completely unfazed. He just yeah, discharged this... a firearm in, in, in an enclosed vehicle with all the windows rolled up and everybody's just acting like it's normal. No, this movie's very cavalier about firearms. <laughs> Why would you shoot the radio, man? <laughs> I forgot that even happened. I have no idea. I have no explanation for that scene. It's ta it, Maybe it's just supposed to show him as a badass. You know, when we talked about Alligator 2, you talked about Joe Bologna not being badass enough. No? You know what? This guy does fit the bill. Yeah. He, he When he hears something he doesn't like on the radio, he shoots it out. This guy is such a badass that he can accidentally take a mouthful of roach during his coffee and spit that shit out and continue on with his day like a normal human being. <laughs> what would you do? Um, I think... Well, first off, I don't drink coffee, and I'm also pretty careful about what I'm drinking. I don't know. I mean, I also don't have a bunch of roaches in my house, right? Like, this guy's fucking house is disgusting. <laughs> it just seems so commonplace for him. He's like, oh, fucking roaching my coffee again. <laughs> I don't know. I got the impression he was very disgusted by it. No, nah, man, because he was on the phone the entire time and didn't skip a beat. And then when he hung up the phone, he's just like, all right. And then he went to work, right? This is, I don't even, he woke up. I don't even think he brushed his teeth, drank coffee with a roach in it, spit the whole ass roach out. And then he drives down to the diner and open mouth kisses the waitress across the, the fucking counter. <laughs> all right. I guess I see your point. Oh, man. This movie does not start off with a good impression of this guy, although they do tend, I, th I think the script kind of either forgets 
or just discards the whole dirty living aspect of his life. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get that it was like a a plot point. But there's a lot of unresolved plot points in this movie. Did that really not strike you in the beginning of the film? That this man took a whole ass roach in his mouth, spit it out, and then not like two minutes later was like Frenching his fucking girlfriend. I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Uh. All right. Was there another scene you wanted to talk about? This is sort of a trope in anything involving law enforcement, but there's a dispatcher who's just like working 24-7. I noticed that. The same dispatcher. There's only one. These small towns, there's these small town movies. It's always one cop, one dispatcher. Like, that's it. Now, I understand from a film standpoint why you have this, because you don't want to have to pay for two different people. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, and you're you're you want the audience to get attached to the characters. Yeah, but like, man, this is so inefficient. <laughs> These people have to sleep at some point. Apparently not. And this dispatcher also fucking hit the the shit lottery along with the diner girl because this dispatcher does every all the legwork for research while maintaining, like, keeping this guy professional, which, uh, from what we've seen in the beginning of the film, is a fucking miracle. And then, at the end, we're treated to a scene of her death because she was eaten by roaches while at work. I feel like there's some sort of, uh, like, socialist message here that this woman dedicated her entire life to work and did nothing else only to get eaten by roaches and then probably promptly forgotten about. Yeah, I don't think the movie's thinking any such complex thoughts. Although it does have a monologue about the Jungian collective unconscious, uh, which was interesting. Um, But no, I just thought the movie was like, you know what? We can't have any competition for our main character's affection. So we need to kill off all of the other women. That's why, why even introduce the diner girl as a love interest if they're just going to push her aside? Like, that was again, my point like, earlier, yeah. Yeah, I know, it's just... Uh, uh. Do you remember the scene where there's an old man, like a homeless old guy character that we're not going to talk about? He was the first roach victim. Clearly, partly crazy. He lives in a ramshackle tent. Oh, it looks like a refugee tent set up on the beach. And... At one point, the the sheriff has vis- visited him, visiting him, and this was after Beth has come back to the island. And the guy's like, "Are you going to marry my daughter?" In the middle of a completely different conversation, and the sheriff's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I probably am." And I thought that was going to lead to some subplot where, like, this where Beth was like adopted by like a well-off-to-do family, and that she was actually like this old crazy homeless guy's daughter and that was going to lead to some sort of connection (laughs) no i thought i thought he was the diner girl's father oh is that it yeah oh shit yeah this sheriff's a piece of shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah he's the diner girl's father so he's like he's like are you gonna marry my daughter and the sheriff says i i think he says i really like her which isn't the most committal response, but still. You know what? Let's get to final thoughts and give it a rating out of four. Fucked up, Luke. We should have watched this before Slugs. Yeah, that's fair. It, I just don't feel like I can objectively watch this film in a vacuum after seeing the glory of Slugs that we covered on our previous episode. It's crazy, though, is when you look online, this is like a beloved B film. Yeah, like, people like this movie. I kind of see it, but in the face of slugs, like this, this is kind of like dog puke. <laughs> like some of the special effects are all right. I, the, the acting is good, but the, the, this film is really held back by a terrible script, even for B movie standards. I think the script is really bad and I don't think there's enough here to compensate for that poor writing. And on top of all of that, positive they fucking abused the cat for this film and for a cat to be abused for a film of this quality is unacceptable <laughs> you need to at least have this cat uh, be in pain for a four-star film and then this is not there um 
I see a lot of what could have been and just get disappointed. This this movie is just a giant nest of disappointment. I'm just going to give it one star just because I think there was a good college try here and it just didn't pan out. I don't understand why this movie is so beloved in B circles. We've watched a lot of B films, Luke, and I don't really see this as like being a standout. I think this movie's kind of fun. I I like the concept of killer cockroaches and I I like the I like the concept of them mutating and some of the special effects are cool and especially on the VHS like it looks pretty good. Um because everything's so dark. Uh which is frustrating, but it also makes the images scarier and more realistic. So, you know, you've got your pros and cons. But I agree with Leland for the most part. Um, I just think the movie's kind of bleh. It's it, it's like um a, one of those sci-fi movies, sci-fi channel movies, like um you know uh, killer crocodile versus mechanical piranha fish. You know one of those movies. Um, it's about the same quality of plotting, and you just can't look at it for anything more than that. Um. It's got some of that 80s charm, so I think it's worth watching for that if you're, you know, into the 80s. But overall, I think the biggest problem with this movie is there's no characters to latch onto who I really care about. All the characters are kind of fucked up to each other, to be honest. Um, and there's lots of side plots or the the inkling of a side plot that then doesn't go anywhere. And so you're just wondering, like, well, where is the movie going and why is it going in this direction? And um, that you never get an answer to that question. So uh, I'm going to give it one and a half, one and a half out of four. That's a great point. Nowadays, this would be a sci fi original film and everything would have been CGI. Yeah, definitely. Somehow that would have been worse. <laughs> All right, next week, we're doing one last insect film. We're going to watch 1975's Kiss of the Tarantula. We had to get one spider film in there. I'm excited to get back to the 70s. It's been too many weeks since we've done a 70s film. And this, I, I like this movie. It's a, it's a drive-in classic, I think. So just so I could be mentally prepared, how many tarantulas die in this film? Oh, I don't remember that, but I I would assume more than one. Um, Kingdom of the Spiders, starring uh, William Shatner. Yeah. It's a cool spider film, but man, there were so many dead tarantulas at the end of that film. I, I Tarantulas, the deadly cargo, is, is there seems to be a lot of tarantula killing in that one, too. Much like you were sad about the death of an ancient turtle. Yeah. Like, you know, most tarantulas, especially of like the older ones that you see, are like 10 plus years old. Well, I don't remember this film well enough to remember if any tarantulas die. So you might be safe. Well, I'm going to watch it anyway. All right. And you should as well. And join us next week to discuss Kiss of the Tarantula. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares. Leland, do you have any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Beautiful. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody.